1: Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 210, which is airing in early to mid-August of 2021. We'll be talking all good things. You can think of this as an all love of the week episode. We've done a few of these in the past, but we thought it was time to revisit the concept because we've perhaps been complaining a lot recent episodes and we like to keep things upbeat and happy around here. So This is going to be a lot of things that are working for us right now that we want to share with you guys. So Sarah, what's going on in your life right now?
2: Yeah. So the first one is just the fact that it's so much easier than it used to be to rent a house for a vacation. You know, before Airbnb got big. I mean, I think VRBO was around, but I don't think their online interface interface was as robust as it is now. And now it's just so easy to like browse a bunch of full-size houses if you want to go somewhere, which number one is very friendly to large families. And number two, if you're concerned about any kind of pandemic exposure, if you want to go on a vacation that's more isolated somewhere, you can have your own house and it's, it's not hard to make that happen. So we are headed off to a VRBO next week and we are very excited about it.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. We're renting a house on the Jersey Shore for a week in August. We've rented this house before. I think the first time we did through VRBO, and then they've decided to rent through an agent. So we have been going through the agency for that. But yeah, there's so many rental properties out there and like vacation options. And I know that some people like the idea of having their own vacation home that they go to as theirs. But renting the same place over and over again has some element of that without all the trouble that comes from second home ownership. So, and then, you know, when you don't want to do it anymore, you can switch it out without any of the uh, transaction costs. So, we are, we are a big fan of that too. We've even been able to rent houses overseas. Uh, they're back in 2014, we rented a farmhouse in the Netherlands for a week for spring break. And, you know, because we had the three kids and staying in little tiny European hotel rooms is just... there aren't as many, like, gigantic suites as there are at American hotels. Uh, so definitely renting the house the way to go. But it was just, it was seamless. Like, here, our landlord, who, who you know, had put this up, and we just used a credit card, and they verified the house, and we get there, and it's sure enough, it's the house that it was, and they have rented it to lots of people. And so I just love how seamless that vacation option has now become. And that was 2014. I'm sure it's even better now. Well, except it's hard to travel internationally now. But Once you get there, the house will be great.
2: Yeah. And I think places have gotten a lot better about posting really specific pictures. So you can almost feel like you can tour it before going. So it's not such an unknown of what's inside. So yeah. All right. What's your first one? Spray sunscreen.
1: (laughs) So I was appreciating that this morning as I was sunscreening various children for camp drop-offs. A lot of the camps are doing more, out, even if it's an indoor camp, they're doing more outdoors now because a lot of them have people eat lunch outdoors, for instance, when they're not wearing their masks or when they're taking breaks from from masking or whatever, they'll be outside. So you just need to be more careful about the sunscreening than you would, even if you thought you're like, I'm sending my kid to a computer camp, <laughs> why are they going to need to be sunscreened up? But they do. So I can't even imagine if I was trying to use a cream to get on every inch of all these Children, And yes, the older ones are capable of sunscreening themselves, but sometimes they do less than a stellar job. And you can tell <laughs> that's the thing. The sun doesn't lie. <laughs> and so if somebody comes back with a sunburned nose, then it is time to start supervising that again. But spray sunscreen makes it easier. Sometimes the kids even like want to just close their eyes. They're like, do my face this way too. <laughs> it's just, it takes seconds as opposed to what feels like hours with the creams.
2: Definitely worth loving. I will say that creams do depend on the cream. We have one in-house cream, the Elta MD Pure, which actually rubs in very quickly and easily. But then if you get the wrong cream, it's like your white pasty for an hour. <laughs> it's like never goes away. So, but yeah, the good sprays are great. Well, on that note, my next good item that I've been playing with is the Allure beauty box. Okay. I think I've read about this. I don't know. It might've been the edit your life. It might've been Claudia and co, but I might be completely wrong. Anyway, it was somebody who had bought it for their child. No, you know, who it was, it was Anne Vogel from modern Mrs. Darcy. She bought it for her daughter, but then she said she was like stealing all the stuff. And I was like, Oh, this does look really, really good. And it's like $25 a month. And you don't get to pick anything. They just put whatever they want in the box and you get a variety of like full size and tiny little miniature products. But the amount that you get is like a lot for that price point. My guess is that these companies are using it more to like get their word out about their brands or who knows, like maybe they need too much of some product and they need to get rid of it, whatever. But what I've gotten has been like pretty impressive. I I have one face cream that's from Able Skincare that I really like that like if it retails for much more expensive, I discovered a really nice eye gel and I don't necessarily plan to even buy the full size cuz I just keep getting new <laughs> samples and stuff and I found that it has actually lessened my need to buy full price product. So even though it's like, you know, you don't normally think of some surprise box As saving you money, in this case, it does seem to be great. Mostly because I'm pretty flexible and I don't mind trying a lot of different things. I don't care if my skincare in July is different than October because I don't really believe in the power of most of these things anyway. It's just more just fun and how it feels. So yeah, I like it. The Allure Beauty Box.
1: So I wonder if I'd ever use this stuff. I, I, you know, now you're talking about. I'm like, oh, Sarah loves it. I need to go get it. (laughs) But I've been pondering, like, would it just like stack up on my counter? I don't know.
2: It depends if you, I mean, if you, if you have a daily skincare routine where every night you put on some stuff and every morning you put on some stuff, you will go through at least a good portion of it. If you don't, then yeah, you won't. But is it, it's all like skincare products or is it like makeup or perfume or like, what is it? This box did have a couple of perfume samples. There's usually like one makeup item, like Mm -hmm. a highlighter or a brow brush or or like eyeshadow. I wish it wasn't. I wish it was just all skincare stuff because I prefer it. But a lot of times it'll have like an eye cream or like a moisturizer or a cleanser or it does vary. Oh, one highlight. So I listened to Forever 35, which is like a podcast all about make, I don't know, self-care and skincare and that kind of stuff. Well, it's about a lot of things, but that's one of the things it's about. And they had talked about like several months ago, this extremely expensive cream, which the host didn't even end up liking very much. It's called the Augustinus Botter Cream. But of course, because they talked about it and it's like hideously expensive, I was just like, kind of like piqued my interest. And there was a sample of it. Like I actually got to try it for free. And it was probably like three days worth of use, but it was enough for me to know that I didn't like it very much. And I agreed with the Forever 35 hosts, but I mean- do
1: you save yourself all kinds
2: of money right there? (laughs) Exactly. I just felt like it was so cool that I got to try that out and I was impressed that the box, I mean, it's it's like La Mer type of price point and there was like a small bottle of it in the box. So that was cool.
1: Exciting. All right. All right. Maybe I'll have to try that out. We'll see. My next love of the week, is something I actually got from an Instagram ad, which I think we've talked in the past about how these Instagram ads seem so often well-targeted, dangerously well-targeted. But Spanx was running an ad for their shorts. And I have been trying to find shorts that I don't hate, which is a very limited number of shorts that I don't hate. I bought some others from various other places, like I, you know, Nordstrom, like from American Giant, like, Companies I normally do, and I they look fine in the photos and they look bad on me. And so it's just like, ah, oh, God, you know, here I wind up with stuff I'm wearing to bed. I could return it, but I'm, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I did buy a pair of the Spanx Bermuda lengths, like always, you know, not doing short shorts, but like long length, long shorts of their black ones. And they're nice and slinky, like they feel very comfortable, little stretchy. You know, and they sort of look polished enough that you could wear it with like a nice top and not feel like you're totally slumming it. Which, of course, is always a concern when you are wearing shorts as an adult. So, I quite like them. They're not cheap as Spanx is not in general, and I suppose there's some element that it's shaping your bottom. That is kind of not what I'm buying it for. Like you know, when I'm wearing shorts, I'm not really concerned about the shaping of of my rear end. But that probably has some benefit from their, too, since that's their whole raison d'etre as a company. <laughs> so but, but that's not a, not tied around your thighs, obviously, which is, again, another thing that Spanx is known for. But like, you wouldn't want that a pair of shorts. So they're, they're just nice and comfortable and sort of slinky and nice fabric and polished enough looking that I would I have been wearing them and I like them. So, yeah, throw that out as a love of the week there.
2: That is awesome. I did notice they were getting more into the apparel kind of. I'm sure I got Instagram ads too. That's probably how I know.
1: Yeah, they sell I mean they sell skinny jeans too, which I mean that's sort of more in fitting with the spanx concept. I mean that if it's smoothing out your stomach and thighs and all that stuff, lifting um, everything up. <laughs> lifting everything up. But, you know, obviously that's not necessarily what you're looking for in a in a pair of shorts. But yeah, they're more into the apparel. That's definitely something they've been branching into.
2: All right. My next one has a little bit of a back to school theme, kind of. Not really. So the weekend backpack concept. I think I may have mentioned it on a prior episode, but I just the ritual of every Saturday morning taking my like wallet and basic stuff out of my work bag and into this vinyl black backpack that's been our family backpack for like a solid three and a half years because it was my diaper bag for Genevieve. I was like, that backpack is like going strong. It's very minimalist looking. I put it in the washing machine and it stays alive. I like always keep like bug spray and sunscreen in there. So I always have them. And it's just like a ritual that works for me. Awesome. It happens to be the brand state, which can be overpriced, but I, I recall buying it for at least half price, if not more on some sale. So sometimes sale finds do work out, even though I always think buying something because it's on sale can be a mistake. This was a a happy ending sale.
1: Happy ending sale. That's great. I'll throw in one more apparel related one. I realized this was in my notes and I didn't mention water shoes. So I have never really owned a pair of water shoes. I bought a pair of like Tevas or whatever they're called that are supposed to be available. You know, you could use them in in water and I just never really wore them. They didn't feel like I I don't know. But because we were doing something with a a river recently and everyone had to have shoes. So I was like, okay, well, I will buy myself some water shoes. And then two of the kids who didn't have ones that fit them. And it's great. Like they're cheap. Like you can get reasonable ones for $20, if not less. I'm some of the kids options were, were less than that. And it just is a game changer for being able to like go in rivers, lakes, any sort of body of water that is not. You know, uh, uh, where you can see the bottom, you know, like a pool. and it's probably the ocean too. I mean, as I'm thinking about it that you could walk across the hot sand and walk directly into the water or something. And it, you know, it's it just makes the water more better for walking around. So I was a I don't know why it's taken me to age like forty two to get water shoes to realize that you could buy shoes that you could wear in the water or that this was a purchase I could make, that you were allowed to purchase such things, but as opposed to just like wearing an old pair of shoes or something. But there you go. They're great.
2: So check that out. I feel like I should, My, I think every other member of my family has water shoes and it's it's kind of like required for my kids when they swim at school, they have to have water shoes, but I don't have water shoes, but maybe I should get some. Maybe I should get some right now before we go <laughs> to the beach. <laughs> yes, well, before you go on your beach vacation, that's this would be the time to do it. Yeah. awesome. Okay, I'm inspired. All right, this is a real back-to-school one, even though this is not our official back-to-school episode. That one will be coming. So the Neoprene Zip Lunch Bags, I don't even remember the brand. You can buy them on Amazon. There's probably multiple brands. They're the only ones I will tolerate because every other kind... So you can put them in the washing machine. That is like, Annabelle convinced me to buy some Pottery Barn Lunch Box that looked really cute. And I knew even before we clicked purchased that this was going to last like a week because lunch bags get so disgusting. They just pick up all these horrible cafeteria smells and things. It's like terrible. And the only way to combat that is have one that you can put in the, the laundry, like with like real detergent and like scrubbing around. And of course this one was disgusting by like a month's time and we got rid of it. And I was like, that's it. We are never buying anything other than these ones you can put in the wash. I'd say the only other option would be like a hard sided box type of situation that could go in the dishwasher. But like children's lunch containers must be industrially washable, period, the end.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm
1: picturing like the industrial washing machines. Like there's apparently some some washing machine that was like built for commercial laundromats that you can actually buy for the home market that's got this like cult following. I may look into that for my next uh, washing machine purchase. But my my related love before we take our ad break is kids making their own lunches. So we buy school lunch during the year. That's our our thing. But, and curiously enough, they stopped charging us this year. I never figured out what happened with the pandemic. After, you know, a week or two, I was like, why is my balance not going down? (laughs) It was just like, okay, apparently it was free for the year, who knew? But anyway, so kids making their own lunches. We established this as a rule for summer camps where they do not have hot cafeteria lunches being served. I make Alex's lunch. You know, I've decided if you are under eight years old, it's probably I can do it or somebody else can. But the other children are responsible for their own camp preparedness in general. And we make it easier by buying individual sizes of a lot of stuff. And I recognize that that may not be the most environmentally friendly idea, but it makes it a lot easier for the kids to just like grab a thing of raisins as opposed to pouring raisins into a plastic baggie (laughs) that I then get them to reuse for raisins the rest of the week. I I feel like that just would not happen. So individual sizes. And so far it's gone well. I don't really know what they're eating. (laughs) The other day, Ruth told me she had a cream cheese sandwich and watermelon for her lunch. And I'm pretty sure the watermelon wound up in a plastic bag too. So I'm really curious how that worked out. Maybe the Ziplocs are really, really good, but you know, it's all good. If that's what they want to eat. That's what they want to eat. And I'll focus on breakfast. And it could and be it. a
2: lot worse than that. Uh, it could be it's a lot not worse bad. than that. That's
1: true. That's true. It could be just like five packages of goldfish like I'm exactly or like
2: fruit (laughs) snacks or something exactly
1: well we did label some of the stuff in the pantry it's like this is only for lunches right so there is an industrial size box of fruit snacks and it's like one a day for
2: your lunch not six while you're watching tv (laughs) like one well my kids would be jealous just hearing that because we don't have any fruit snacks I'm sorry I don't I don't, th- I don't think their school allows them. Oh. <laughs> anyway, break time. <laughs> break time.
1: All right, well we are back talking about all good things in this episode. Things that are working for us right now, things we are enjoying what's going on in our lives that we are feeling happy about. So Sarah, you have what you've been, you know, on a long crusade of changing <laughs> your screen time habits. So you've come up with some good stuff. No, not really, okay. but I'm um, just <laughs> <laughs> trying to set you up here.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's, it's a continual battle that I probably will fight until the death, but that's, that's okay. I feel like it's one worth fighting for me. Like if I just gave up, then, it would just be terrible. So I have come up with a very enjoyable alternative to just mindlessly scrolling, which is, I'll be honest, it's only one specific channel. There's probably other channels, but I watch this, this woman, Amanda's favorites. She is, all she does is planner reviews. And of course, I mean, I consider it kind of like market research for best laid plans, but I also find her very calming. And she's like, She's one of those planner users who's not into like making it look perfect. So I'm not really watching an artist, you know, like draw some elaborate thing. It's more like she'll like go through different brands and how she uses them. And her demeanor is like just, yeah, as calm as it can be. And I love watching that. And so I do find that I would rather sit there and do that. And maybe even like doodle myself while I'm listening to that. For me, that is like a 10 times more a ritual that like fills me up rather than like takes away versus the like comparing comparison scrolling that we've talked about previously. So, yeah, finding your your groove on YouTube or something very relaxing or that seems to feed you instead of take away.
1: I like that. I'm going to have to start figuring out what that is for me. Like what do I want to watch on YouTube? One of the things I've been liking, we've been doing a couple of big kid-only activities. These are sort of big kid non-screen activities. We went tubing with cousins. We had some cousins visiting this past weekend. And we took all the big kids, which means ages six and over, tubing on the Delaware River. And this was a really sort of good fun for the whole family activity. And if you think about it, there there are not that many activities that are fun for the whole family. Like almost nothing is ever fun for the whole family for the whole time. <laughs> and there were elements that sometimes, you know, not 100% of everything, but people had a pretty good time. So you go to this tube rental place, you know, they give you your life jacket and you get on a bus and you go a couple miles, it's probably just like two miles <laughs> because you're on a tube, on a bus up the river Get in, they tether you, you tether together with your group and float on down. And the weekend we did it, it had been after some rains, which in my book is a big plus because it meant the river moved faster. If you're in a very slow moving river time, I mean it could take like three hours to you know go down. And I think our, our group would have been done at that point. I think people would have been like out kicking and swimming, trying to get to the, the end of the river at that point. But we were moving along at a rapid clip, so it was only you know less than ninety minutes on the river, which was just about perfect. <laughs> of course, because the, the it was you know there were some actual rapids because of that, and at the end they have to kind of fish you out. I think normally you can just paddle yourself over to the side, but because it was swifter moving, they had boats out to like corral people before they you know wound up too far out in New Jersey or whatever but it it was good. We, we liked it. And, you know, it's a non, you couldn't really even bring your phones with you. I mean, how would you, you would have had to have like a water park type bag. And even then you're on bumpy water. So it would have been risky to, to have that sort of thing. So we really, we really enjoyed that. So yeah, trying to come up with activities like that, that are fun for lots of people, not screen related can be hard, but that was one of them.
2: I have fond memories of like whitewater rafting and like, High school, or I don't know, maybe maybe even middle school. I don't remember, but yeah, that's it is really really fun, and it's just the right level of danger, especially if you go with a guide or a group where they make sure that you're not really in harm's way, but it <laughs> yeah. feels kind of on the edge, so super fun. Okay, my next one, ooh, mine are blank, so mine are a surprise to you. Okay, I I have another YouTube themed one, which is that I discovered the world of very highly organized professional youtube fitness stars and their strength training programs i feel like i delved into youtube fitness like a decade ago and kind of didn't like how it felt very disjointed like oh you could do this butt workout or this but it you know like what am i supposed to do when now there's all these people i think because of instagram and the rise of social media who are making very good livings clearly and they it's very similar to beach body and that they'll have a whole program but it's not Beachbody. It's YouTube. It's completely free. I mean, you watch some ads. There are usually programs you can sign up for for additional support or like to get like fancy calendars and stuff. But honestly, the entry point is that a lot of these are, you can try them very easily for free. I'm currently just dipping my toes into um, this one super rock star woman named Sydney Cummings. And apparently there's another sort of competitor named Caroline Gervins. And I'm trying to figure out which one would be a better fit. I think Sydney might be slightly more accessible. So I think I'm going to go with her but I have been looking for something Beachbody-ish that's not Beachbody. I will say, you know, I did try the Peloton strength and I think some of the workouts were good, but I don't, I don't love it because, and I know this is like sacrilege to many listeners who are so into that. That's clearly their demographic, but um, I really like having like a program and having one person that I feel like, again, it doesn't have to be a real life person because I'm an upholder and I don't, I don't mind. Like I, I can make a schedule and stick to it, but I like there to be like, a specific thing I'm trying to complete where I'm going back to this person's routine every day. And I didn't feel like Peloton really had that model, which for most people that might be great, but for me, it didn't fit. But this this whole world was like opened up to me and I'm sure there's like many others that are amazing. And like, you can get such a amazing lifelong workout without ever having to go to a gym or a class again. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: These modern times. I have not been doing anyone's workouts online. <laughs> I'm intrigued by some of the people I follow. Like I, I said on Instagram, I follow this lady, Anna Victoria, who is another, you know, fitness influencer, personality, whatever. But she posted a workout she did that I think honestly she did as her workout during her daughter's nap. And she's like, okay, this is like 20, 30 minutes, dumbbells or other limited equipment. You could do it during the nap. And I was like, well, that's, that sounds doable. That sounds like actually a good targeting market there. So uh, maybe I will check that out. I could uh, I could start doing that. I don't know. I've been um, just running. <laughs> I know that's not what we're supposed to be doing for our body composition in our 40s. Wait, well. what happened to your strength streak? Oh, I am still doing that. But you know, I'm not doing enough to like get anywhere.
2: <laughs> just, but that's count. I, I don't know. I would not discount your strength streak. I mean... Strength is strength, even if it's 10 minutes. If you're doing it every day. I don't think I'm even doing 10 minutes. I'm doing like one thing. I just don't love it. I don't love it. It's better than zero
1: things. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) One thing I do love though, puzzles. I know our listeners have been hearing about me, you know, hearing me talk about this for a while, but I've really been on a streak of doing thousand piece puzzles over the last nine months or so. I've been doing White Mountain is my favorite brand so far. I've been doing some from Buffalo games as well, but I, I think the White Mountain ones, that the pieces have some heft to them and the designs are thought through as being puzzle designs. I mean, I think a lot of people, they, they just put a scene, like a pretty scene, and then it's cut into puzzle pieces, which is fine, but that can wind up being like that there are whole swaths of it that are like similar colors. And so if you've got this, Model gray. It could be this corner. It could be over here. It could be wherever, and that's that can be very challenging. And if you want that in a puzzle, that's fine. But if you're looking for something that's fun and brainless entertainment, I prefer to know that know that piece goes most likely in this part of the puzzle. So yeah, I'm doing a hot air balloon one right now. I did one that was like the local bookstore before. I've got my eye on three holiday themed puzzles for around Christmas. I'll probably start donating them, um the ones that I've done. That's probably the best thing to to do with them because you don't really do a puzzle more than once usually. But it's a good thing to do that's not scrolling. So we we're talking about screen-free activities. And sometimes I don't feel like reading. I have definitely not felt as much like reading particularly if I'm tired at night. If I've been on screens all day, I don't want to read anything on my phone and you know, I, it's been harder to stick with books for whatever reason. So it's something I can do and I enjoy spending, you know, 30 minutes a night on it and make progress. Love it.
2: I might be out of good things. Is it bad if we have more complaining than good things? I feel... <laughs> you have nothing else. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, can I have a comment? Sure. You have the Olympics on here yes. and I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you go through that. I don't want to add a complaint to our good things episode, but I think we spent a solid 45 minutes trying to figure out how we could pay to watch the Olympics because we don't have cable. Oh. And I'm not even sure we were successful. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is the problem when you cut the cord. <laughs> it's the only problem. We can get anything else we want. <laughs> But we were like, okay, you go to sling and then you sign up for this. Oh, wait, that wasn't the right thing. Okay, when was this? Oh, that wasn't the right thing. Oh, you go through Hulu? Like, like, it wasn't like we weren't willing to pay. We're like, sign us up for whatever service. Like, there needed to be in 2021, some easy paywall where I could just pay $200 and get full access to all of the Olympics. I would have paid it. I would have just paid it. Like, press the button, done. Okay, I'm sorry. And I'm inserting, I'm inserting a complaining rant into our happy things, but I'm disappointed in that. And I really do want to watch more of the Olympics, which are happening... I mean, they're going to be pretty much over by the (laughs) time there, but it is such a treat. And maybe by 2022. (laughs) Well, what's funny about that is they had such a thing in 1996 because I remember that
1: several people I knew there was like three channels you could buy for the month to like get all of the Olympic things, and I know several people who did that right to watch the entirety of the Olympics. So it's funny that they had it then, (laughs) and it was just harder for people to do now. I'm behind on watching. I meant to watch more than I have. I mean, so it's like, oh yeah, the Olympics are on. It's like I see little bits of swimming, but, you know, cause my life has not become slightly, you know, less stuff going on in my life just because the Olympics are on. So it's not like there's magically six hours a day to watch it, even though there might be things I wish to watch. So I'm sure I'm going to be behind on it, but oh well. But the thing is, I mean, we're spoiled for Olympics this year because the year delay means that the summer is now, the winter will be six months from now. Because, you know, they're on the two-year cycle, but it's always one and a half years and two and a half years because of the summer to winter, winter to summer thing. But because we lost the year, it's only six months. So that's going to be kind of a lot of Olympics. Maybe I'll be done watching the taped Summer Olympics by the time the Winter Olympics comes on.
2: I wonder where the Winter Olympics are. Oh, well,
1: they're in China. It's a long story. Anyway, so another thing that, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out politically with the geopolitical situation. Not a topic for best of both worlds. So one other thing I had on my list, which would be a nice fun note to end on, is lilies. So they are in season now in the, like the big summer lilies, the the wild ones too here in Pennsylvania. So tiger lilies, the orange ones are just a wildflower. Like they grow, I assume people must've planted them at some point because sometimes they grow in sort of like concentrated clumps in places where it's like, well, that looks like somebody planted it. But I love looking at them. And so I'm always like, oh, we need to have some for our yard. And so for like a year or two, we were going to garden stores being like, how can we get some of these, you know, tiger lilies, these, these orange lilies, whatever. And people are looking at us like, it's like you walked into a garden store and asked to buy dandelions. I mean, because it's, it's, they just grow. So we finally wound up digging some up and transplanting them from a friend's yard because they had crops of them everywhere. And they're great. They grow up. They're beautiful. Like they're just a nice bright orange in the middle of July and into August. And they're so cool. Maybe
2: your at. whole lawn is going to become
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, oh, that would that would be fine. I mean, because they're very pretty. They, right now we've got them and the um, crepe myrtles, uh, which have these beautiful, the kinds we have are these beautiful violet pink flowers. So to have pink and orange in your yard is is a good time in the middle of summer.
2: I love it. And at least, at least to my recognition, they smell really good, don't they?
1: I don't know. I think it's not so much the smell as that they're very big and bold colors. So yeah, they're wonderful to look at. So we have a question from our listener, another child care question. We've we get a like I've said, we this is the topic we hear from people most about. And I think it's because It just doesn't get discussed a lot, various places. And there's a lot of logistics to getting the childcare situation that works for your family. There are some thoughts out there that like, oh, once you, you know, you've figured out childcare, you never have to worry about a thing again. And that is not the case. So this listener is a prosecutor and her husband is a physician. So two big careers. They are expecting kid number two. They had a nanny for the first 19 months of their older child's life and then went to daycare after that. The issue, as people who have sent children to daycare know, is that you get sick a lot. And that's even worse in the COVID era because there's always things like quarantines coming as a result of potential COVID related symptoms, even if it turns out to be just normal respiratory virus that runs like wildfire through every daycare. So their kid's been sick a lot lately. They're wondering what to do. They've got a small pool of babysitters that they can ask for backup care, but it's, you know, hard to find somebody at 6 p.m. the night before for 7.30 the next morning. Or I'd say that's even a lot of notice. I'm, the problem is when it's 6.30 in the morning for 7.30. That's even worse. So what should they do? They love that daycare is social. Their kid is learning a lot, making friends, loves being with other children. But, you know, as they're expecting baby number two, it seems like, you know, they have two careers where they cannot not be there between, you know, a physician practicing and somebody who need, has court cases where they need to show up. <laughs> what do they do? So Sarah, what what do you think on this one?
2: So we did this and we had both. We When I was pregnant with Cameron, that's when we hired our nanny. And Annabelle had been in full-time daycare for a couple of weeks. We would just moved. And it was evident that that was not going to be enough because all of a sudden we were we were faced with, oh, what happens when she gets sick? And it was like, well, I'm not gonna call out from work that I just started here, you know, with my first real job and Josh really couldn't do it either. So it was like, this is kind of just, and with the impending second kid, you know, we weren't that excited about sending like a very, very young child to daycare, although some people do and the babies usually do great. But anyway, so yeah, I I just think that layered covers is essential. I hate that because it is extremely Expensive.
1: When you say layered coverage, so you are recommending, and, and that's so we know here what Sarah is recommending is that they keep the two year old in daycare and hire a full time nanny. So you, you explain that to people because I think people think these are either or things.
2: No, I mean, I think that you're probably right that that environment's great for your child. They're comfortable there. Perhaps you might think about shortening the day. Like I think what we did is we had our nanny pick. Annabelle up at like nap time and she would nap at home. So we didn't have to pay for the full day of daycare, but that way with her napping in the afternoons at home as a two-year-old, you know, our nanny didn't have to actually do that much. She could focus on Cameron when he was little, but it was kind of like never, it didn't even Cross my mind as a viable option that we could just put them both in daycare and be okay, just because of the inevitable multiple sicknesses. And this was way, way, way before COVID, unless you have family. So if you are lucky enough to have family around that's comfortable being your backup, and I know lots of people like that, amazing. If you can structure your life in a way that family could be your backup, amazing. That was not an option for us for multiple reasons. So that's what we came up with. The other viable option, actually, I guess I can think of two would be an au pair which is really, really popular for that reason. And you can do an au pair and daycare. And that way, for example, I know you mentioned the, the partner's a physician, like the, the au pair could help you on the weekend sometimes. So you wouldn't be doing, if they were on call, you wouldn't be doing lots of solo stuff. And I'm, you could like kind of use those hours more flexibly if the others aren't in care. And I guess Laura's other option, I'll let you talk about it, would be like m- stacking multiple options kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, so I mean, what people who have, you know, multiple big jobs in the family that is not going to be like, 40 hours flexible, you know, like that, where there could be after hours things, there could be more than 40 hours a week, like you physically need to be there if there's sort of limited flexibility. What a lot of people need to get their heads around is the idea of stacking childcare coverage. So it's not nanny or daycare. Once you have more than one kid, it's often nanny plus some form of communal care, like daycare for a two-year-old or preschool, you know, once you've got a, a three or four-year-old. Like daycare for two-year-olds is essentially preschool, only just a little bit younger than most people would start sending their, their children to, to preschool. But because of that, you know, then you have more doable job for your caregiver, right? Because there's hours of the day, they're only focusing on one child. The older kid gets the socializing, but there's a backup for when they inevitably get sick or if the school is closed for some reason because you've got that full-time care as well. Now, obviously, your full-time caregiver may also have days that he or she couldn't be there. And so then you need to figure out what is the backup for that, for the kid who's too young to go to whatever community option you have. But it's at least a slightly more certain thing. Because I can tell you that almost everybody finds that there are more daycare illnesses than there are... Situations where your full time caregiver can't come you know all of a sudden right like that's that's gonna be a less likely scenario than the child suddenly getting sick in daycare,
2: so stack it you know stack
1: nanny plus daycare nanny plus preschool if you have two really big jobs you might want to stack full-time nanny plus part-time nanny. Because, you know, I hear this complaint from people, they're like, oh, I can't keep anyone. Nobody wants to work for me. Oh, it's so terrible. It's like, well, okay. And then you drill down you see that they're trying to get somebody to work 60 hours a week. And it's like, well, that's a, more than you really probably want to expect someone to be on for. They're going to burn out at that job. So hire one person for 40 to 50 or so, another person for 20, right? And then that way you've got the coverage. And then possibly if the part-time person has some more availability. they could be a backup should the full-time option not be available. And hopefully you'd be able to maybe limit your hours some if the part-time person wasn't available for a while. So there's that. But, you know, we were saying like, this is obviously expensive, like good quality care is expensive. It's even more expensive once you are stacking things, but it's not forever, right? I mean, this is, you, you were making this point to our, our listener.
2: Yeah. The, um, well, I thought you were going to mention also like the idea of having like a six deep babysitter pool. Oh, yeah. That's well,
1: no, option. I mean, so one thing some people do and if you want to read about a family doing this or whatever, I think this is in Tiffany Dufu's book, too, that she was what she put her husband in charge of finding babysitters for stuff. And he was like brilliant at it. She was always finding somebody within like two minutes. And she's like, what is your secret? You know, what are you doing? And it turns out he put all of their sitters on a group text. And then would just say, if like he needed somebody at eight o'clock on Thursday, he'd be like, okay, who wants it? And the first person to respond is the person who does not And and some of them, people are like, Ooh, that's a little weird. Like, you know, what do people think about it? But you can, you know, obviously ask people if they want to opt into this, like you don't have to like, you know, force anyone to do this, but you also, I mean, this is how a lot of small businesses actually operate with shifts too. So if somebody is, feels like they can't come into work today, what they'll do is text the employee pool and be like, you know, I can't, does somebody could tell me to take the shift? And then whoever actually wants extra hours can respond as opposed to trying to go through your manager who's busy as well. Like, this is just a way, you know, for interchangeable work, you could book people. So you know, that's that's something you can do. Like if you have people who've opted into this who have might be available at different times, just say, okay, you know, I I need somebody for this time and use it that way. But it's it's hard to make work for the long-term. And people, when you've got that many people who aren't working full-time, their schedules start to change quickly. And so it's like, oh, well, this person had a Tuesday night class this semester, but now they have a Thursday night class. You know, it just, you can only run it for a couple of weeks with the same sort of scenarios before you have to change things up again.
2: So yeah, I think that's an interesting option, but high maintenance. high maintenance. But it could work as a probably less expensive option if it's just completely out of the realm to, you know, completely hire somebody. So one other thing we wanted to mention is the fact that this is finite. It's kind of like paying for college, like it's four years, you know, and then it's over, you know, whether you choose to or not. This is not from your baby till they're 18. You won't need coverage when they're 15 years old. In fact, by the time your kid hits maybe like six or seven, if you have a job where sometimes you could do your job from home, you could imagine having a fully productive workday while your child basically watches videos and, and you get them lunch, you know, obviously that's not going to work when you have an 18 month old. Um, and if you have, you know, eight kids, then yes, you're going to have an 18 month old for a while. But if you just have two or three kids, you know, this, this phase, this expensive phase isn't necessarily going to be forever. So, you know, keep that in mind. Because it may seem like a horrendous outlay, but if you think of it as having an endpoint, then I think that can help.
1: Exactly. All right, well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been doing an All Good Things episode. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together.
2: Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram.
1: And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the best of both worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together.